Yes, and there are the sounds of one of the beam ships from Billy Meyer's contract. From Yaze's beam ship, I believe it was a pristine tour. Those you may have just heard Don was talking about some technical difficulties. And if you're broadcasting the show, you don't even want to have technical difficulties. But every difficulty that we are having right now, I mean right now in our world, in our regional world, so to speak, pales in comparison, obviously, to the difficulties and the horrors that are unfolding in so you know so many other parts of the world. So it isn't really necessary to try to do a news of the day specifically. It's all in terms of the prominent news, not good news. It's all drastic and dramatic and dire. It's all brutal and violent and just the worst of all things that human beings are capable of are coming to the fore. They're occurring more and more. It's not that they haven't been occurring up to now. We know that in many parts of the world, there's been conflict and war and aggression and terrorism going on for some time. But what's kind of unavoidably unique at this time is how what has transpired in Israel and Palestine has long been foretold in the prophecies published by Billy Meyer. And it isn't a uh, it isn't an isolated event in this sense in the foretelling in the prophecies and the predictions from the Meyer case we have long been studying and trying to understand well when does this happen and what is that about instead of for the most part preparing and trying to prevent as much as we could the very events that have now unfolded, which are pivotal because especially the situation, I mean, certainly in Ukraine, Russia, but the situation in Israel is one of those very, very pivotal events that signals the fulfillment, if you will, of some of the most ancient prophecies and predictions foretelling the time when Israel, the state of Israel, would be in open conflict with other parties, its neighbors, and ultimately with other major powers like Russia and China. We have only just begun to see this. This has only just begun to literally explode unavoidably in the consciousness and con conscience as well of those who pay attention to such things in the world. So many things that Billy Meyer and the play Aaron and the prophets of old have forewarned could have been somewhat mitigated, avoided, even perhaps prevented to some degree, if human beings of Earth knew about this and decided to take it seriously. I think I mentioned on a previous show that I had a press release with a company. Actually, the company was based out of Dubai. I think it's a British company based in Dubai. 
And they had a very appealing offer. Their offer was that if I presented them with a press release, we wouldn't have to pay their rather significant fee, to tell you the truth, um, unless and until this press release was published through a major news outlet. I may have hinted last week that I didn't think it was going to happen. And today I heard from the company and they said, after my, well, how do you put it? Uh, polite inquiry yesterday evening about the progress of the press release having been submitted, presumably to high, very high level, you know, press. Um, I wanted to know what the progress was because what it, what they had said to me was that USA Today is interested in this and is looking over the article, you know, studying it or whatever. This was last week. And then over the weekend, I thought, well, really, what's what's taking so long? A company like uh, USA Today doesn't need a week or days and days to determine if there's a newsworthy story. So I got the strangest response from these guys. They were very nice, but they said, um, we were told by all of the people we approached that they could not uh, run an article by somebody who has lawsuits pending. I said, really? Uh, would you mind sending me the links to these lawsuits? I'd love to know about them, I think. And they sent me a bunch of links. Every one but two of the links was just a dead page 404. It had nothing to do because even the title in the page, nothing to do with me. There were two pages where there was a Michael Horn listed having some kind of a lawsuit, but these two guys lived in other states. One guy was 35. I don't recall if they published the first guy's age. And I wrote him back and effectively said to them, so here we are, we're censored, of course. I said, you know, the, the most important true story, if you will, to use that term about UFOs and extraterrestrials, can't get published through the corporate media. I was not surprised. And these people were very optimistic. Oh, wow, this is great. We were going to get this. So they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because, you know, the game is rigged against the Meyer material. And rather than get ulcers about that, uh, saved money I didn't have that I was going to solicit people to throw in for. And I thought, okay, fine, thanks, anyhow. My point being, if this censorship on the most critical information had not been in place for decades, and especially now, it's harder than ever to get this out of the immediate realm. Our blog and a few places. The people of Earth would have had a chance. Instead of having their heads stuffed full of delusional religious crap and politically, poisonously politically partisan crap, they might have had this other information and opportunity to start considering, what is this man talking about? How could this be? How could it? And then they'd be seeing these events unfold as those of us who have been following the Meyer material for some time have watched them fulfill, as 
the time fulfills. As the time fulfills, the times are now fulfilling. Uh, it's irreversible. The events are ceaselessly fulfilling. Actually, it was at the t- time when the story about the seven foot tall giants in Peru came out. There was also in the 1976 information, there would be certain earthquakes, there would be fires in different countries and, you know, blazing, including the American islands, Maui, and there would be some other things and it's all, you know, just unfolded as was inevitable because this material doesn't make mistakes. Now, if there is anybody that calls in and wants to, it's not an interruption, but wants to comment or, you know, speak about these things, well, that's fine. Just let our producer know and we'll click you in. But until that happens, if it happens, or until uh, my guest Melissa comes on, I want to talk about something that occurred to me in the last couple of days, especially. I had titled one blog back, you know, The War in Your World. So today, a short little blog, The Peace in Your World. This is the time, if ever there was, for us individually, certainly, ourselves, within ourselves, in our families, with our neighbors, to be making peace the true path to love, peace, freedom, and harmony, making that peace, starting at ground zero, if you will, within ourselves. Now, I was reflecting on some things about the difficulty. I mean, just to be honest with you, the difficulty when you're, especially when you're close to people, how hard it can be at times to not engage in an argument when you're trying to share and exchange information and solve problem and it occurred to me you know part of the problem part of this problem in order for us to see eye to eye sometimes we have to we best try not entering into our conversation eye to eye well what's wrong are you afraid of no i I've seen this with others and I've experienced it with myself. Maybe it isn't true for you, but consider it. You've got a big charge on something. It's with your wife, your husband, um, your partner, your mother, your father, any, anybody particularly close to you. You really have to straighten something out. You want to. Both of you want to. You want to get into this, this, but you find that as soon as you come together, there's a tension and an urgent, the sense of urgency. You want to get your point in. I want to get my point in. We're both um, desperate to make our points with each other. We care, but we want to make our points with each other. And then when we're looking at each other, we are waiting for our opportunity. Sometimes we're not hearing each other. So to get if instead of trying to see eye to eye, we go side by side, standing, sitting down, whatever, 
lying down if it works with the appropriate party. And we soften up. Maybe we breathe a little bit together. You know, we just kind of catch our breaths. We realize it isn't all so desperate. We're right there. We're looking out kind of in the way that when we let our gaze diffuse, we're not pushing at someone. You're not trying to push someone away either. We'll get to that part in a minute. So you start to catch the breath, the timing, the pulse a little bit. And you would feel in a side-to-side thing can become very obviously uncomfortable when somebody's trying tries to then interject and talk over a partner when they're listening, when they're sensitive to that, whether they agree or not. Sure, you're waiting to have your moment. But I've experienced that it can be easier. You can enter into that true kind of empathetic or empathic intimacy with somebody when they're next to you. Maybe you're holding their hand. Not a bad idea. And the urgency, unless we're talking about an emergency, but we're not here. The urgency starts to go down. And we can start to listen to the other and formulate and bring up, bring forward more reasoned and reasonable response when the time allows, when that moment is there for us, when we're not trying looking for the break. How do I get in right here? It also makes it easier to not elevate or escalate emotionally and vocally because you're close enough. You don't have to yell. You don't want to yell. Right there. It's a bit softer. It's a bit softer. And I do suggest that that's something to try with people, even if you're not in some kind of critical emotional situation, but just to share occasionally when you can, the person or persons, people, you know, in a family, you can lie down together a little bit and let the breath settle and start to feel, take the cues from each other. And then when that has run its time, when it's fulfilled itself, looking at each other and interacting or getting up, you may or may not then feel like you have to say something more. You've got to make sure somebody understands. There's you. You've had an entrainment. You've had a commonality, and that can be a more soothing way to interact in these desperately changing times, where stresses come from all sorts of different angles. Certainly, the outer world is not deficient in presenting challenges and stresses and uncomfortable things, to have the ability to feel the comfort and connection more and more with each other. And then sensing when you're out in this world, when you're interacting with others, and you may have interactions face-to-face with the other people that aren't the most significant immediate others in your life, Notice how you may react and interact and act with other people. Because when you start to relax into 
when you have comfort, when you're making this peace within yourself and within your family, that's the next step. Your neighbors, even if they don't live, literally live next door to you or upstairs or downstairs, your neighbors, the people in the world, fellow citizens, brothers and sisters, they will interact with you in different ways. It gives you the opportunity in your own knowingness how you can still yourself a bit if you need to. So you can be present for another person and let a natural, natural interaction take place. Now, I'm trying to think if I can demonstrate this. Here's something that to think about when you are dealing either in a, you know, a family situation that isn't set up for a more touch, touchy-feely moment. Things are happening. Um, I'm going to see. I don't know how it will work with this graphically, but okay, give it a shot. Oh, yeah, there I am. Well, okay, so... Think about, where do we go? We go here. Think about emotional things coming towards us, right? They can be tension or anger or whatever. They can also be love. Right now, we're looking at the more difficult things. And they, they come in towards us. The average human response is to tighten very often, to push back, to defend, to deny, to get uptight. So what's an option? Well, maybe you've seen people do certain movements in the park, you know, where they're moving their arms around, doing Tai Chi and what have you. And it's a nice little model, if you will, for what we're speaking about here. When someone is confronting us, when we're in a confronting situation, notice where my hand is. It's right in the center, right here is solar plexus, heart area and all. It comes in, whether we consciously get or not we feel it so the idea here in a graphic physical sense is this thing is coming in and we are letting that hand trail it off if you will and let it go down if it comes in this way we're not fighting with it we're deflecting we're neutralizing something that's coming in on us Right there, you go. You're just letting that go that way, and letting this go this way, and that way. So, of course, if you're standing and speaking with somebody, you're probably not going to start doing this thing. But we did say it comes in here, right, or here a little lower, whatever's you know your solar plexus, your psyche area. So just think about this center, this overall psyche solar plexus and you can do this by yourself you it, it's fun if you have a partner and you can you know do pushes and things but so here the thought is this is the next program in it's coming in and you're just turning that off you're just letting it bypass you here or if it comes in the other side of course you're just letting it bypass you there so it's coming in and it's bypassing so this is the, the broader, grosser model. Shift, shift. But that too is not going to work very well. You know, people can get a little freaked out. So what you do, once you understand, well, what am I doing? So you stand still and practice with a mirror. Is not a bad idea. And 
you feel as if it's coming in and you're letting it go off to that side or you're letting it go off that way or you're letting it just come and dissipate downwards so it's and you can be very you can stand around and talk and everything and and even be moving a little different but this is your idea you're neutralizing this incoming thing that otherwise you'd want to block or fight with or what have you as you realize that you're realizing you can neutralize through the thought through the idea so therefore you can get to another level where you're going well if i maintain this neutrality if i if i can maintain a neutrality and be present and not stilted and strange i don't even have to visualize past that once i understand what this feeling is and what i'm safe in here i'm safe so you're letting things come but you're letting them go and you can just let them go while you stay present you don't give up if you have something you have to say if you have a position but you don't get locked in and contract that's that in the process that i teach in the workshop we deal with this in terms of issues that we have ourselves in the moment that aren't pertaining to necessarily to anybody present at the time this consciousness workshop and we invite it from the inside out so this is a, two different sides of the same coin. When we're dealing with other people and we want to, we learn how to become relaxed enough in ourselves so that we are neutralizing these things, meaning we're not taking them on. We don't hold a breath. We let ourselves breathe in and out. We can take in and let it go. When it's coming from inside, when it's an issue that we're working on to clear, then we have the an additional few steps with that process, how we know that it's working, etc. So this idea, um, I dare say that in any of those aspects of it, whether you're literally practicing it with a movement off to the side this way or a movement off that way, or just the turning, and then you get down to the non-motion, just the feeling of safety inside yourself. Plenty of opportunities come our way from here on, you can bet on it. You can bet that you're going to be able to practice lots and lots in the world today. And if you, if we can then internalize and maintain that peace, and it's a, it's a challenge at times, there's no doubt. You know, I'm someone who, I was very prone to lose my temper in my life. And I didn't even know I was doing it. So people keep saying, you know, uh, you're very aggressive or you have a bad temper. And I thought, well, I don't think of myself that way. The one person some years ago that got through to me the most was this guy, Vladimir Vasilyev, who teaches the Sistema, Russian martial arts. And I brought him into America for the first time, I think it was, and had a workshop with all these guys I knew. We're into martial arts and all. We had a dinner that night, and he was doing palm reading for people. And this is a guy who was a high-level operative in what's called Spetsnaz, uh, Russian Special Forces. It's not exactly a pussycat. And, you know, what's with the palm reading? Because they taught these guys through the most brutal conditioning to be kind of hyper-sensory. Um, 
they would do a thing where they'd have three glasses of water in a room. One was poisoned and they were all clear water. And then they bring a guy in and say, well, which one's poisoned? These guys had all of the super stress stuff to break them down, to make them hypersensitive. And it's a very interesting thing that their art is interesting to Sistema because it's non-aggressive coming from these people who are, you know, rough characters. So I'm sitting across from Vladimir at that point, and I said, hey, Vladimir, would you would you read my hand to act? I'm curious. He says, yes, but first I have to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, you're too aggressive. I said, what? How do you know that? He says, I see it in your eyes, in the training, because we'd had the day of training. Yeah, you're too aggressive. I'm thinking, what, me, lovable little, I'm too aggressive. So I, I realized that arguing with somebody who's a killer, literally, I mean, in the service of his kind of whatever, I don't argue that with the per- perceptions of a, someone trained at that level, because there was something about it that was ringing a little true. And I said, okay, will you show me tomorrow, any time tomorrow, just help me out? Okay, so I mean, we're training and all this stuff. And and I look over and he goes, gee. And then, you know, if I got it right, Yes. Okay. So knowing this about myself, it hasn't been easy in certain circumstances. I would lose it too, way too easily. And finding these things through the Qigong practice and all of that to settle down and the breathing and then take the psychological, emotional factors from the external stimuli, the internal stimuli, and find out how to harmonize as much as possible. Peace within the self, the family, and the neighbors. So we have a guest tonight that we're going to be speaking with here. And I'm going to hopefully get this right with the screen sharing stuff that I've got going on. Um, We have Melissa is on the line. And Melissa does all this work for the blog and then some. She has done the most remarkable and most interesting analyses of some of Billy Myers' photographs. Remember, Myers' photographs are taken back 1964 to 1981 or two. She's using super state-of-the-art technology to analyze photographs that were all super locked-in analog, no fancy technology. So... With that being said, I'm going to ask Don to bring Melissa into the conversation. And hope, hopefully he does it because I don't know that I know how to do it. Maybe I do. Let me see. Let's see. Melissa, are you there? Can you hear me? I hear you now, but you can speak up a little more. Oh, uh, sorry. Is that any better? Yes. Yes, because I don't know how, how loudly it is going out into the world. So what I'm going to do here is attempt this little screen share. And I'm going to go to the, this blog of ours that's titled Hassenball Hoax Theory Debunked. Before I do, I'm going to invite Melissa to say as much or as little as she'd like to say before we start asking her about this whole thing. So, Melissa, uh, would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, experience, what you do and how you came to use uh, this technology that you're going to explain as well about to analyze Billy Myers' photos. Yes. Yeah, so um, where where did you want me to start? It, 
just with, <laughs> with the pictures or uh, no I, I i really would if you if you have anything that says you know i kind of thought i was looking at these photographs and i thought why don't i try this oh, did, sure. did you have that kind of a moment with this stuff because it's for us it came out of nowhere yeah so i mean i've i've always been fascinated by the images from the billy meyer case um obviously but you know, uh, over the years, I've just seen uh, Billy Myers photos or hoax, you know, just all the time you come across these lame brain uh, <laughs> comments from people that, you know, he, he had he used models, he, you know, just all mm -hmm. kinds of goofy stuff. And I, you know, I just set out one day. And just started investigating these images and try to find a way to, you know, at least settle it for myself once and for all. Right. Because, you know, intuitively, I knew that there's no way these images could be faked. I mean, it was before the digital age, no Photoshop. I mean, it, you know, in the, the play are and they're really good at positioning their beam ships in a way that you know sometimes you you look at it it's you know you might scratch your head a little bit and say that that does look a little bit odd but it's just I knew there was more to it than that deep down I, I've always known that so mm -hmm. I set out to you know to confirm it for myself once and for all and so I just started you know it started back with you know the stealth photos, really, when we were investigating those photos. And then right. I, I moved on to the Hazen Bowl because I, I come across a, a neat, uh, I didn't really know about it in the beginning, but I, I learned about it. It's called photo fringing, mm -hmm. where, you know, in naturally it happens in a photo sometimes where there's like a line around an object where it's kind of distorted. Right. like a colored line that's that's it's called fringing or aberration color aberration mm -hmm. and and it happens naturally in a photo but now due to advancements in f uh, photo editors and you know all things photography you can add fringing to a photo there's a program where you can add it <laughs> where the computer adds it you don't do it and so you have no control over where those lines actually get added it's it, it will only add it around an object that's in the photo. It can't, it can't put a line around something that isn't there. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's pretty far out. Yeah. When did it's, you discover that technology, by the way? Oh, I, I, I want to say maybe, was it about a year ago? Hmm. It's it's not been that long. I you know I'm constantly teaching myself new new things with technology, and I'm always analyzing and looking at images. And you know I work with images a lot, especially right. with the blog. Right. So when I when I learned about it, I taught myself as much about it as I could, and then I just it just hit me one day. This would be a great tool to use for the. For, I initially did it on the wedding cake UFO, the mm. one with the car and the uh, wedding cake UFO that right. everybody says is hoaxed. <laughs> but anyways, um, so I, but we can start with this Hasenbowl, uh the beam ship 
that looks like it has the sunbeams going across it in mm-hmm. front of the tree there. So that one, um, and that one was a little bit harder to fringe because the tree, you know, some of the tree branches are really thin. But as I said before, the, the Playoran are, you know, the way they position their beam ships and images, it's it's really quite something to behold when you when you think about it because it, it leaves some room for doubt but it also when you actually investigate and research and do your due diligence there's mm-hmm. no there's no doubt at all you know so is it, this is the first photo in this whole Hassenball thing we're looking at yeah. right yeah the uh, March 29 1976 image from Hasenbo and Lang- Langenberg, I think it is. Yeah. Is that the one you're looking at? Yes, indeed. Okay. So, yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of text here in this article. Yes. It speaks about the fringing and all. So I'm going to go down to the next photo that has that glowing aqua, you know, kind of coloring the deep blue background. Do you want to tell us a little about that? Yeah. So the first photo there, so so the way the, the story goes is that this beam ship is a model sitting close to the camera, <laughs> and the tree is way back there in the distance. But, um, you know, due to the fringing, let's, let's actually find out if that's true. So right. this first image, the, the colors are simply inverted, which means they're the opposite colors on the color wheel from, from their from their real colors. Okay. So that's all that is, is just, and it just makes it easier to, to see and to see the fringing when you do it this way. Um, you know, for it, the eye, it pulls the eye, you know. Sure. So that one is just inverted. There's no fringe on that picture at all. And that's just um, the colors are opposite. So if I think if you go to the next image. Yes, it looks similar, but there you is there a difference then? That yes. Explain? Okay, go ahead, please. So this one, the fringe has been added. And and I know it's hard to see on this image, but I right. think that, that if you when you'll look at the next image, you'll see there's the the tree branch itself is is green and the and the line of fringe on the left side of it is going to be like a dark blue or a blue color. Let me, I'll bring that up so people can see that. There's a red arrow pointing to that. Okay. And if you click on that image, Michael, it'll enlarge it. Okay. Let me try that. Whoa. There we go. As do, ever. You, <laughs> do you see the blue line all around the beam ship? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So that is, you know, that's the fringing and as I mentioned earlier, it, it it likes metallic objects a lot, the fringing, but that line, it means that it's outlined that object. So we know that object is in the picture okay. and then it outlined the, the branch that is, you know, right there on the left side of the beam ship. Right. The green line and the blue line. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the green line is the branch. The blue line is the outline. Ah, so the green line comes across instead of the blue line of the beam ship being in front. Yeah. So if you'll 
if you'll scroll to the next image, I'll explain it a little bit. This is, better. A, I'm, I don't know if you can see it. Can you, yeah. If, okay, I got to the right one then. Oh, miraculous. Okay. okay. <laughs> so if you'll notice the blue line of the fringe, it goes mm-hmm. up the branch without any breaks. Do you see any breaks on that line? No, there's Beside. just there's some green up where the uh, top red arrow is, but other than that, no. But but I mean, right there at the edge of the beam ship. Do you oh no. no. Okay, so that that is the fringe outline, and the green line is the branch. So if the ship was in front of the branch, there would be a, a break in that blue line right there mm. beside the beam ship. Mm. And then um, because, you know, the, the program, it's it can outline something that isn't there. So if right. the tree was behind the beam ship, it wouldn't be able to put an outline there because it wouldn't be <laughs> visible in the image. Right. And I hope that's not too confusing. I I think if people start to just appreciate the the brilliance, of course, and I don't mean just the color brilliance, the brilliance and precision of having positioned this large craft precisely in such a way that the telltale proof would be so discreet and so, you know, so subtle but so clear at the same time when this technology would evolve to be present, to be used and applied to determine what was what. And there it is. No. Exactly. And then on the other side of the, on the right side of the beam yeah. ship that you see the line of fringe going yep. pretty much all the way around there. But on the left side, there is no fringe on that, on that left side of the beam ship. Other than the line going up the branch, it's because right. the branch is in front of the beam ship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. it's hard to see that green branch, it is indeed in front of the beam ship. Well, it, it's clearly there. I mean, when we get used to this visual language, we see it. And all of the, the foolish, frankly stupid skeptics who have floated their crazy theories about models and superimpositions. and spe- I mean, <laughs> and Billy's out there with his one hand and his camera stuck at infinity and precisely catches the photographs um, because the play iron know how to position it. And, they oh do. Is there and another the, one? There's this? one more that ch- where I took it down to pixels so you can actually yeah. see that green line going across the edge of the beam ship there so there there's your tree branch and your beam ships behind it yeah because, <laughs> but yeah it's just amazing to me that and you'll notice this in a lot of the images of of you know a lot of the uh, beam ship images they just seem to strategically place their ships yes. in, in such a way that it does leave a little bit of room for doubt. Yep. But it it makes you it makes it necessary for you to do the work to get to the bottom of it. It's true. And if if this technology had not been invented at the right time and you had not come upon it, especially because of your search, your diligent search for uh, methodologies and technologies to determine the reality of the evidence one way or the other, we would not have this 
wonderful, you know, uh, ironclad evidence. And certainly with all the people in the world that are somewhat computer savvy, technically savvy, far so more so than I. And there it is. So here's the last. Is this photo? Yeah. And that's just the full size image. Yeah. If anybody wanted to, you know, look at it full size. But I also wanted to say, Michael, that it doesn't require special skills. If somebody wants to do this at home, they can do it. If, you know, mm-hmm. if I could teach myself to do it, then, you know, it, it doesn't require special skills. Others can- anybody can do it. Well, I don't know about anybody. Well, but I, I, it, 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 it's your point. Um, you, you know, um, I, I think about the. We'll go to the WCC UFO film uh, photos next, but I think about them because with the nighttime photo that. Uh, well, let's go there now. Can you see this? I'm yeah. showing. Yeah. So the nighttime photo, which is kind of right under where it says "call to action," that photo is essentially the same as the one to the left. I mean, it's a different angle. Left and lower down, the third uh, photo on the far left, where the ship is just glowing gold and it's a black background, the skeptics always said, well, that's just a little gold-painted model against, you know, a a black curtain. And when the uh, analysts on this, I think it was Francisco Vilate and Chris Locke, dropped this photo right off the internet into Photoshop, and they started messing with the contrast and the brightness, they got the one that we're looking up here. I believe that was their first. Down to the lower right in that photo is a gravel road. There's a uh, little post that they have in Switzerland along the grassy side of the road that is about a meter high. And then behind it is a hillside. And this thing has got an energy field of its own, you know, going on. Um, but let's get down to to your article yeah. here. Yeah, that's a beautiful, and, beautiful. You know, we, <laughs> isn't it something? I mean, it <laughs> is. Gorgeous. So I think, let's see here. I had uh, included, this is just, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'll go back. <laughs> oh, gee, we're going crazy. Hold on. <laughs> This is me and technology. Welcome to me and <laughs> technology for your uh, viewing pleasure. Oh, if you okay. click outside of the image, it should disappear. <laughs> Good luck. I'm no. I'm now trapped. You know that. I will okay. never get ready. Okay. We'll get go there on. sooner or later. Okay. So, uh, hold on. Go. I think I'm going this way. There we go. So, <laughs> this is an image from... Uh, <laughs> A video that this, the skeptic Phil Langdon, who was so proud of himself, thinking he had duplicated and debunked Billy Myers WCU, and he hooked up all of these crazy things with brackets on trees. He had to add wires and lines. He pretended to do everything with one hand, even though his own uh, videos and photos like this. He, he only moved. He only used one hand. Oh, really? So the one, the left one, which crosses over his body, and then the right one's holding off this, uh, you know, a wire or whatever here. So he floated models close in front of himself, relatively. And because they're so clear in terms, you know, relative, Meyer's object, you know, UFOs photographed outside, they weren't, unless he zoomed in on them, they weren't clear because he was 
quite a distance from them. So Phil Langdon was very proud of himself, thinking he debunked something, and he just debunked himself, really. <laughs> here's, here's another one. He's, you know, moving the branch. You can do this. Oh, I, only one hand. These two arms are not really there. So <laughs> here was, here's a detail. I, 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 you know, I don't remember this article so clearly enough. We, we have quite a few slides, so we'll move through it so you can explain the fringing. Okay. Okay. Is, and, and if you want to show the interesting photo with the, I mean, uh, it's just, it's just something to think about, but the one with the crystals, if you want to just hop I'm on that one real quick. As soon as you see one you want to describe or talk about, go for it. Cause this is a, a detail of a craft that's set down in Billy's front yard. That is the same craft that we're talking about here that was glowing gold at night and all the rest of it. And this is Phil Langdon's version of it. Just for those who need a good laugh, this is the real detail. Beautiful. And this is Phil Langdon's version of it. Uh, not quite the same. Here was a detail that Meyer had on the side of a ship. And this is what Phil Langdon said. It's the same thing. See, it's just a garbage can lid. Is that a and hole? This, you know, I mean, here's a, you have really interesting things here different colored crystals and lenses within these golden circled uh, silver globes. And so Phil Langdon's duplication attempt on top and Billy Meyer's real craft on the bottom. Uh, did you want to talk about this one? Yeah, just briefly. If, uh, sure. if you'll notice Phil's uh, duplication attempt up at the top, this is a again another inverted image where the colors have just simply been reversed to their opposite colors on the color wheel. Mm -hmm. If you if you notice Phil's image, uh, the crystals or whatever he used for the crystals, they yeah. I, <laughs> there's no color to them. There's no you know you really can't see them other than the little humps there. Right. But if you look at uh, Billy's image of this wedding cake UFO. Look at the beautiful uh, blues, pinks, yellow, and then also the, I, I don't know what kind of uh, metal that is, but it's a beautiful shade of uh, blue on mm. the inverse. And the, the crystals are a beautiful turquoise. Yeah. That's because those colors have been inverted. So the original color is red on mm. the, uh, you know, the ones that are turquoise. Right. And they've inverted to to their opposite color. But Phil's do not do that, obviously. No. Meaning that they're, they're obviously imitation. Yep. And it's just interesting. It, it doesn't really, you know, other than it well, just it, being... It speaks yeah, loudly. It's a subtle... But, I mean, it actually screams when you speak about what the technology reveals. It's screaming at you. One on top, fake. One on the bottom, authentic. So let's see what's next. Ah, here you go. Yes, and that's just showing you the red crystal. It's mm. opposite color on the color wheel. That that The bottom image is inverted from the yeah. top image. It's beautiful. Beautiful, isn't it? Yep. Here you go again. The blue turns to yellow. And I believe the green turns to, is it pink? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just beautiful. And then the gold, like I said, I'm not sure what the uh, metal is on their ships, but the gold is the beautiful color of blue when yeah. it inverts. 
999.9, pretty fine. Okay. Wow. That look at, I mean, the subtlety in the, the, uh, let's say third, a third to the left there, you've got that yellowish pinkish on top of the turquoise or something. I mean, it's very beautiful. Very beautiful indeed. And, and the, and the red, uh, lenses there inside mm-hmm. the bulbs, you see that they're yellow. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Here we go. This is interesting. Yes. Yeah, so this, uh, dear fella, or I'm not sure, but anyways, this one is claiming that the wedding cake UFO is a little model sitting in front of the car and oops, it's, they're able to tell because they, they added something there. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but they added they some added, gold there. Yep. But that's, that's not really in the real image. Um, and if we'll go on down to, uh, I think it's the next photo where the, they, uh, yes. yeah, they have the red line there showing that they've proven that the <laughs> image is a hoax because yes. it's obviously in front of the car. Mercedes. But is it? (laughs) Okay, so on this first one here, this is, again, with the colors inverted, and then we've got the fringing turned on. Now, this is not full fringing. This is like maybe 50%. Okay. And on the left side of the undercarriage, you can see the fringing going up the going up around the bottom of it there. But why can't you see it on the right side? If the if it was in front of the car, it would be there would be a line there because the beam ship is in focus in this image. The car mm-hmm. is not in focus, so there should be a there should be some fringe on that right undercarriage. I don't see any at all. So no, there's only one. There's only one reason there's no fringe on that side. And that's because it's behind the car, yep. and and the program cannot fringe something that's Isn't non-existent. It? Yeah, exactly. So we see it in this photo. It's clear. Let's go to the next one just to see. Oh well, let's go back just so people can see it one more time. The beam ship is behind the car, therefore, the car is not some dinky little model, and the beam ship isn't the model in front of it. Okay. And then this just shows you the the depth of field in a photo, you know, in a photograph where if you're close to something, it's going to have that blurred effect like the car mm-hmm. versus the building in the background that is much clearer. And we know that uh Meyer's camera was set to infinity, so Correct. that's exactly how that would look with his camera. And here's and this is the original. Actual. And now when you look at it, I don't know if my cursor's seen in this or not, but now when you look at it, you can see that, you know, there is the, the artifacts that are on the bottom left of the beam ship yep. are not visible in front of the car. Right. And it's almost like an optical illusion in a yep. way where the it like the it looks like the beam ship is kind of reflecting off the top of the car a little bit there, mm-hmm. but like that's another one of their really 
they're they're wonderful yeah they're wonderful placement of objects in a in an image they're masters they yeah. really are they're masters and they here's <laughs> yes is that the so-called garbage can is that it's the a garbage can oh phil's garbage can lid yes yeah yeah, yeah. okay yep but this is this is fascinating i mean you you really drove a stake through the vampire's heart here with all of the idiots who don't know how foolish they now have been shown, not made to look, but shown to be through their own ineptitude and their arrogance and their intent to disprove something rather than to find out what is. What yeah. is real and what is not real. So, and, and yeah, and that picture in particular, it was one that really bothered me because I've heard that for so many years that that was that image was you know was right. obviously a toy car oh, or yeah. a fake. <laughs> well, you know what we should do too. Maybe we'll revisit. We'll go back uh, on another visit with you to the UFO stealth photos because you have a lot of work in there, and you, I mean, you you dug in, you found out it was. The, the test pilot for the original uh, stealth that was in, you know, Wendell's photos and lots of really cool stuff. So we're definitely going to invite you back for that discussion. And I'm going to, oops, what happened there? There we go. And I'm going to thank you immensely, of course, for partaking of this and kind of uh, illuminating, if I may use that word here, why not, uh, the reality of the evidence in the most, some of the most controversial photos of all taken by Billy Meyer of real extraterrestrial craft, no hoaxing, no special effects, no models. And unfortunately, the world discovers the truth about all of this all too late, the world at large. We know that there are many people, right, Melissa? I mean, we found this material when we did, and other people continue to find it, and they come to, you know, theyflyblog.com, where we're putting everything we can out there for people. And um, nonetheless, we keep our thoughts in a nice, neutral, positive realm and look to see that these things reveal themselves when we are ready to find, let's say, the tools and technologies. If we don't satisfy ourselves uh, through, you know, just a knowingness when we see something and examining as best we can. And you've taken that, you know, to a place of uh, un unimpeachable, you know, authenticity. And so I thank you very much. And You're we welcome. will do it again, right? You, you bet. I, I would love to come back. Good, good. Okay. Love to have you. So actually with that, I'm going to just ask people to uh, stay cheerful, <laughs> be, be of good cheer, and to stay safe and serene. Uh, we probably will see you next week, hopefully so. And um, I'll just say for tonight, using the term that expresses peace to all beings, on Earth and elsewhere, of course, but the term is Salome, and we have a Salome peace meditation that couldn't be more timely 
and you're invited, everybody, to discover that. You come to the blog, theyflyblog.com. you find all of this and more, and you'll find so much of Melissa's masterful work in articles. She's also written about other things, and it's it's a great job. So to everybody, I say good night. Thank you. Thank you again, Melissa. We will see you hopefully next week. And until then, salam. Salam.